to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today's sermon text is the reading appointed for this fourth Sunday in Advent, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, the conversations between uh, Yahweh, God, and his prophet Nathan, and his king, David. Indeed, in the anointed one's name, Jesus Christ, I have for you today a Christmas gift. Actually, I, I think I've got multiple gifts for you, although maybe they're not quite what you would expect or want, they're, they're, they're not that big. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I distinctly remember a couple of times when my family gave me a gift and it wasn't really exactly what I wanted. I opened it and went, oh, thank you. And maybe this is the same, but my gift to you today It'll be on the table as you exit if I can get it out there quick enough. Didn't want to put it out beforehand. I have actually printed my sermon today for you. And if not for you, then for me, this is an extraordinary gift. Because I usually don't print out my sermons. And even this is just an outline, but it's an extensive outline, just about every Every thing I say in the sermon will be on the table to the right as you go out, including the Bible verses I reference. I know sometimes you miss them when I go over them quickly. I've written it all out for you six years ago. Six years ago. I was asked to write a sermon study for our Fort Wayne Seminary, and I did. Along with this, by the way, comes uh, a, a more professional, for you church professionals, uh, exposition of the original Hebrew and other things that doesn't concern you here today, and I'm not even going to mention any of it in the sermon. If you come to my Bible class, I'll give you a copy of that and created the sermon outline. Also, a, uh, a children's message. It was that little song we sang uh, about four weeks ago. Now in here, we're going to sing it over in Ignite and added a sermon illustration on and on. I got to tell you, it was life-changing for me to do that because my biblical Hebrew had gone down the drain, to say it nicely. <laughs> And this helped revive my study there. I prepared all that stuff, but never preached the sermon. I'm not repeating a sermon here today. Today's sermon, The King's House. That's all I got on the screens for you today is shared for the first time, and I will let you know it's somewhat of a traditional sermon, as you can imagine, for our Fort Wayne Seminary. 
three basic points of the sermon, like any good Lutheran sermon. And I will actually share the opening introduction almost verbatim. You ought to see my honeydew list at home. Not only the usual home projects, big and small, that I never seem to accomplish, especially during the holidays. Now, we don't actually have a big old list, although sometimes we write things down. But I got to tell you, we all know what they are. There are decorations that are not even out of the boxes yet. Gifts that uh, aren't wrapped and some aren't purchased yet. And cards, again this year, will probably never be sent. So many things uh, I, I want to do. But even more so for God. Same with you. There are many things you want to do for God, things he's commanded in his word, his holy law, and, and maybe manifest in some personal way. You think, I can, I can do that for God. What, what's on your list? What's on our congregation's to-do list for God? King David here in 2 Samuel 7 is near the end, kind of, of his earthly life. And, and that's what's crossing his mind. He wants to do good for God. Now, so much has been accomplished. God called him from the shepherd's flock, right? And even here it was mentioned, as Al read, he had given him conquest over his enemies as he made him king over Judah and Israel, the combined tribes. He had done building projects before this time, and he had just fairly recently moved the Ark of the Covenant, that gold box on which God placed his forgiveness, the blood of the covenant once a year, the Day of Atonement. That's where you knew God's grace. If you were an Israelite, he had just brought it into Jerusalem. He'd done a lot, but there were things lacking. And not just a particular list of things. There were things lacking really in multiple ways, spiritually for David. He had prioritized his own building constructions, his own palace, instead of building for God. And his family, oh, had so much lacking. I once preached a sermon based on one of David's psalms about being a good father and a good scholar in the congregation pulled me aside after and said, you shouldn't use David as the example of a good father, at least with the results soon to come in 2 Samuel would be his own family sins of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. There would be incest among his children, rebellion from a son. There was a lot lacking in his family, his house. And indeed, like all of us, in the end, lacking, 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 David would die and be buried. Peter said on that, that first Pentecost in his sermon, his grave is here 
till this day. It is not in David that we see the full completion, really, of anything. But here, he's thinking, okay, a temple. A temple. I'll build a, a, a permanent house to hold the Ark of the Covenant so it wouldn't be in that tent, that tabernacle. We all have that heart, wanting something permanent, do we not? The sermon illustration I wrote for our Fort Wayne Seminary still applies today. Back in, in 2014, I noted that politically in our country, uh, four times prior to that, in this generation, fairly recently, we've had half the country disappointed in the lack of something permanent in the White House. And it's split evenly between Republicans and Democrats, so I'm not, I'm not taking sides here today. We have had two Republican presidents, two Democrat presidents, who came to the end of their term limitations, right? Reagan and, and Bush 43, and Clinton and Obama. And each time, half the country was disappointed, wanting their chosen president to continue in office, right? We want something permanent in our leaders, our pastors, and our churches. Yes, we want a permanent pastor for Trinity Lutheran Church. I've been praying as much as any of you. But every pastor needs to realize he's an interim pastor. Things don't last in this life. Psalm 127, verse 1, it's, it's on the outline. You can grab, unless Yahweh builds the house. Those who build it labor in vain. It's got to be God's construction. Now God does encourage you as he did David to do what, what your heart guides. Look to do things, even outward things for him. But what's most important always to know is what he has done for you in the past, what he is doing for you in the present and what he will do for you, through you, in the future. God's house, the king's house, has to be our prime focus, especially in this holiday season, with all the earthly things distracting us. Only God builds what is perfect and lasting. And that's what God reminded David here. Did you notice this? He reminded David that it was he, Yahweh, who had done everything in the past. I'll just list from my outline here. Yahweh had delivered the people from Egypt. They didn't free themselves. Yahweh had shepherded them. Not, not David with his shepherding. Yahweh had given them rest from their enemies. It wasn't David's military might. And Yahweh already had in mind a place for his ark. I'll come back to that. 
God says the same thing to you as you look at your life. You see the, sa the same characteristics of David and his family. Your priorities have replaced God's priorities. Your family is racked by sin. Maybe some of those same ones I mentioned. Truly a sin against every commandment of God. And unless Jesus appears first in glory, you and I too will die and be buried and turn to dust. But God has built, in view of all that, contrary to all that, as an answer to all that, what you need. He has delivered you, just like the Israelites, from slavery to sin. That Red Sea is such an image of your baptism. He's brought you through the waters and destroyed your enemies, your sin and guilt and Satan he has crushed. And indeed, he has built for you the ultimate lasting temple. It's not a building. It's a person. Jesus. Jesus is the promise here to David. We know from the New Testament citation of this section, the house that God promised David was the eternal kingdom of the Christ. And there's that, that wonderful turnaround here. It happens so often in Scripture. One other example not in the outline, by the way. <laughs> Zacchaeus in the Gospel of Luke climbs up a tree to see Jesus. Jesus turns the tables on him, right? He says, Zacchaeus, you don't have to come to me. I am coming to you and your house. And there's many more in the Bible here. David wants to build a house for Yahweh, and Yahweh turns the tables with his great grace and says, I am building a house for you. Yes, David's family, his descendant, Jesus. That's the house. And it's so very clear in Scripture. We have the quotation of this section, basically, by the angel Gabriel, that that baby to be conceived in Mary would reign over the throne of his father, David. He's the heir of these promises. Jesus calls himself the temple in John chapter 2. You remember that section? He says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Later on, they understood that he was talking about the temple of his body. He is the way God dwells with humans. And if you go on in the New Testament, that language just is proliferate. John 14, you probably know, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you so that you may be where I am, right? He would dwell with you. Ephesians chapter 2 promises, indeed, that we are strangers and aliens, but made saints and members of the household of God. Revelation 21 gives us the ultimate image of our glory forever 
When God promises that dwelling place of God is with man, his temple is his coming to us in Jesus Christ. What we celebrate in full as, as the nativity of our Lord is upon us this week, especially no. That was David's hope, trusting in the Christ, the anointed one to come. It's ours too. And it will guide you with his grace when, when sins rear their ugly head, when failures occur, when you face death. You have a permanent home. So now, like David, do what is in your heart to serve God with confidence. You will be blessed. One of the gifts I, I got years ago that wasn't to my liking at first was a Kindle. You know those, those electronic things? I, I don't like new electronics <laughs> uh, of any sort. And my kids gave me one. Dad, you'll love it. I said, yeah, I'd rather read a paperback. But very soon, I grew to appreciate how handy it is, especially to read at night as I go to bed without a flashlight. Wow, wonderful. You may or may not think much of the uh, sermon outline today, but the word of God that's shared here today, you will appreciate and it will last. For David, the, the tabernacle, even the temple his son would build, they did not endure. Solomon eventually built the temple but it only lasted 400 years, and its successors from the people coming back from the exile, Herod the Great, they, they barely lasted at all. Now, God wanted the people to have a lasting hope, a hope that does not wane, not in their own accomplishments, but in their eternal King Jesus, his eternal kingdom. May that enduring hope in Christ be your celebration, this week especially, and always. Amen.